0: morning. How's everyone doing? Well, it looks like the, the faithful remnant is here this morning, right? We got people away in Haiti. Um, Pastor Neil's away with his family. Uh, got families on vacation. Um, and uh, so I get to talk. And I thought, uh, I thought this week, since we got a remnant here at Coast Bible Church, what better to do than to read uh, the first letter in the Bible, And it's actually written to a remnant. If you want to open to Jeremiah 29, we're going to be there today. So I grew up in in, in Denver, right? I didn't grow... I I know I seem like a Southern California guy, but I'm not. Um, And uh, when I was living in Denver, growing up there my whole childhood until I was 18, um, I just never felt at home. I never felt like I belonged in Denver and I never felt like it was somewhere where I was supposed to be and it just felt wrong. And I moved to California and I thought all right, all right, this is this is better. Um but it, it still doesn't quite feel like home. It still still feels a little bit like I'm a foreigner. And maybe that's because I'm not a huge Lakers fan or I, I've adopted the angels. I've put some roots down, but I'm still a bit of an alien. I'm a I'm a foreigner. I'm in a a foreign land, and um, I don't always quite fit in right. I still say things with a a, a slight Midwest touch. I say uh, Yahoo or yeah. I always forget Yahoo. You Yahoo like. But I, but I call the website my email address, so I'll, I'll tell people my email address is this at Yahoo, and, and people go, "Oh, I guess you're a Yahoo," or "I'm a Yahoo." Instead of Yahoo, I, I always get them confused. But that's, that's just how you say it in, in Denver, and here everybody laughs at it. I don't get it. Um, and there's a few other little things here and there, and I, it always makes me realize that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite at home here. I feel a lot more comfortable here, but I'm still not quite home. And I always heard, well, your home is where your heart is. Your home is wherever your heart wants to be. And um, if that's true, then I'm certainly not at home. I, I, I look around the world and there's injustice and, and sin and brokenness, and I think to myself, wow, <laughs> my heart's not there. And so I'm not home. In Jeremiah, he's going to tell us exactly that in this letter to the captives that he writes. He's going to say, look, you're right. This isn't home. You're not at home. You're you're living in a foreign land. You're a captive. You're an alien. You don't belong there, but that's where you're at, and that's where you're going to stay. The title of my message today is Resident Aliens. Resident Aliens. Now, as Jeremiah... uh, Jeremiah writes this letter. He's he's telling us that, uh, you know, it's it's hard to live as somebody that is not quite fitting in. But he's going to give us some advice for how to do that. How to how to live as aliens in a foreign land, but also being a resident there. So before we get into this text, let's let's have a word of prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we confess that you are good and that you are mighty. And we recognize that we are not at home. But God, we also recognize that we have a duty and we have a calling here on the earth to live in a certain way. And so now, God, as we approach this text, please give us wisdom, please give us guidance and Please give us help in understanding how we should live as resident aliens. So God, we pray this, that you may be glorified, and that your name may be exalted above all the earth. In the name of the risen Jesus, amen. All right, so Jeremiah chapter 29. What I really like about this text is that it gives you its own context. It's awesome. You you don't have to read the commentaries to find out what the context is. Um, A little bit, but not really. All right, so starting in verse 1, Jeremiah says this. He says, uh, Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive, to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. This happened after Jeconiah, the king, the queen mother, the eunuchs, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. This letter was sent by the hand of Elisha, the son of Shaphan, and Gamariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. All right, so stop there for a second. So we see that this letter is written from... Uh, Jeremiah, and it's written to the people that have been carried away captive in Babylon, right? Now, this was, this was about 597 BC, and, uh, Jeremiah is gonna deal with two things. He's gonna deal with how to conduct yourself in a foreign land, how to live as God's people in a land that's not your own, in a land where you're not, uh, you're not home. Things aren't set right, so Jeremiah is going to deal with that issue, and then he's also going to deal with the issue of false prophets that are are, uh, misguiding the people, and he's going to correct some of their actions. Now, we're only going to go through the first 14 verses today, Um, and primarily after that in this letter, the whole chapter, uh, Jeremiah deals with those same two issues, and he deals a lot with the false false prophets, Um, but the first 14 verses are where I want to focus today. Okay, so now this text is also going to give us a little context, uh, and a little, a little more background for the book of Daniel. Pastor Neil just started the book of Daniel a couple of weeks ago. We've gone through, uh, a few sermons now, but this is going to give us a little more, a little more background of what God expected from Daniel and the, the people that were living in Babylon at the time. So Jeremiah sends this, sends this letter to the people, tells them how to live in a foreign land, right? He says, He says, verse four, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that you may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. Okay, so Jeremiah writes this letter, and he he declares that this is the word of the Lord. So the people recognize, okay, this is a prophet, this is binding, this is what God has to say about this matter. And what the false prophets had been telling the people was that you're only going to be in Babylon for a couple days, weeks, months. It's going to be a very short captivity. You'll be back in Jerusalem before, before you can before two two winks of a pig's eye. Right? Probably not pig's eyes. It, it was probably not culturally acceptable. But point is, the the, the false prophets were saying, you're not going to be in Babylon for very long. It's going to be a very, very short stay there for you. And before you know it, you're going to be back in Jerusalem, and everything is going to be set right. We're going to be the center of the universe again. We're going to have our, our, our land as God's people. We're going to uh, rule the earth because... God's going to send his Messiah and rescue us, and that's just going to be it. And that's what the false prophets were saying. And so then in comes comes Jeremiah, and he sends this letter, and he says, um, build houses and dwell in them in Babylon. I don't know if you've ever built a house, but it's a lot of work. If I, were, if I were only going to be in a place for a couple of weeks, maybe a month, even a year or two or five, I wouldn't want to build a house. I'd just rent. But Jeremiah says, no, build houses and dwell in them. So here are the captives, right? And they're, they're longing for everything to be set right. And they're saying, God, get us out of this land. I mean, can you imagine feeling like you're, you're in a place where you don't belong? Can you imagine if, if you thought to yourself, things are just not right here? And then you have God say, yeah, hang out. Keep living there. That's where I want you right now. I caused you to be carried away captive there. Did you catch that in, uh, in verse 4? he says uh, god says whom i have caused to be carried away captive from jerusalem to babylon god wanted them there and and so these these captives are thinking to themselves oh yes it's going to be it's going to be so quick that god's going to restore us and rescue us from this bondage and captivity and jeremiah says no it's not it's going to be a little while build houses So recently there was was this this Bible teacher that um, said he found out the day that Jesus was going to return. He did a bunch of mathematical equations and um, a number of other things. And uh, he declared that Jesus was going to come back on this day at this time, precisely a a time in the day even. And so um, a, a lot of Christians... Even Christians that I knew got very excited and they were thinking, yes, finally, I get to get out of this, this place where everything doesn't seem right and I don't fit and I feel like a captive living in a foreign land and everything's going to be set right and God is going to be exalted and the kingdom is going to be present. And so there's all these people giving away everything they have and waiting for this. And now I, I, I saw a news story Where um, there was footage of some of these people holding signs saying the time is near, and at six o'clock the rapture was supposed to happen. Everyone was supposed to be raptured, and so it's five fifty-nine and some seconds, and you see the people, you see the people counting down: ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, and they've all got their hands up and they're looking up to the sky, waiting for the return of Jesus. Two. One, one, one. And nothing happened. How disappointing. Oh, can you imagine the pain being so positive that everything was going to be set right today, at this time, very soon? It's happening. And then come to find out that's not true. There's more time before that happens. That's what Jeremiah tells the people. I think this is part of our story as Christians, as the church. We long for something more, we long for the kingdom to be realized, we long for everything to be set right. And we get told by people every couple years that the rapture is going to happen on this day and God is going to set everything right. Now, don't get me wrong, friends. God will set everything right. Amen? But I don't know when that is. Now, we have hope that God's going to set everything right, but that doesn't mean a country with a balanced budget or a country with universal health care. Or a country where, where there's uh, no, no debate? Now I mean God's going to set everything right. A place where there's not only no debate, but no need for debate. A place where there's no need for universal health care. A place where there's no need for a budget. A place where everything will function according to the will of God. Someday, that will be realized. But until that time, we're going to feel like aliens. We're going to feel like things aren't set right. We're going to feel as though we're living in a land where it's just not right. Something's amiss. It's off. I mean, do you, do you feel that way? Do you feel like you're an alien in this land? Not only America, but in the world as a whole. Do you long for God to set everything right, to wipe away sin and pain and death and restore things to how He intended them to be? Oh, there's nothing I long for more. There's nothing I long for more than the day that Jesus returns and everything is set right. The world is put to rights. The day when our citizenship in heaven is realized. Paul Paul talks about that in uh, Philippians three twenty. He says he, he, he says that we're not at home. He says that our citizenship is in heaven. Now someday that'll be the case. And boy do I long for that day, and I hope that you do too, friends. I hope that you do too. But until then, build houses and dwell in them. Take wives and husbands and increase in number. Notice verse 6. Take wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, so that you may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. So God, God not only says, you're going to be there for a while, long enough to build houses. He says, you're going to be there for three generations. You're going to see grandchildren born. It's a little bit of time. So God says, take wives and husbands and get married and have children and increase in number. Don't be diminished. Increase in number. So God, through Jeremiah, says, live there in this land. Build houses. Dwell there. Have families. So now, for for the Hebrew people, increasing in numbers was primarily through having children, right? There was not a, a movement outwards from Jerusalem to evangelize. They they were static. Um, one theologian has called it a, a, a centrifugal movement. Everything was supposed to come in, right? And so, uh, evangelism wasn't something that they were worried about. They they had kids and they had. Um, some people that would convert to Judaism, but it wasn't—it um, wasn't like it is now, where we go out and we preach the gospel. People would come to Jerusalem and be attracted by how the Jewish people lived. But for the New Covenant people, for us, this is twofold: one, have children. That doesn't seem to be a problem here at Coast. By the way, any, anybody heard? Has Cassie has Cassie had her baby yet? Anyone know? She's in labor. Wow! All right, Cassie's in labor. So let's uh, let's keep that in prayer today. Yeah. Um, just one example of coast being really good at having children. So there's that. But but the second the second aspect of this is evangelism, right? So now as New Covenant people, we're also supposed to increase in numbers through evangelism. I think we could all work on our evangelism. I know I could. I'm sure everyone else could as well. Uh, I think about the number of new believers here at at Coast um, in the last couple years, and it's it's not disheartening by any means, but it, it could be better. It could be better. And I think we should all focus more on evangelism in our daily lives. We could always evangelize more. We could always tell more people about Jesus. So so uh, Yvonne Nolesti, right? The, our our uh, missionary, our Haitian missionary that lives in Florida. Anywhere he goes, anywhere he goes, he talks about Jesus. He's having lunch and they will tell the server, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know him as your savior? Do you want to accept him? And does Yvonne know this guy? No. Has he made long inroads and connections with him? No. He, he's just throwing it out. He's, I love it. I, I think it's great. But that's not the, uh, that's not the only way to do evangelism. It's a, a very good way. I like it very much. But I want to I give us three simple points. Three very, very, very simple points on evangelism. First, pray. Pray. Pray for the people you're evangelizing to. Pray while you're evangelizing them. Pray after you've told them about Jesus to serve. Serve non-believers. Serve the world. Right? Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. I think we can take a lesson from that. And three, share the gospel. Tell people about the death and resurrection of Jesus. Combine all three of those, you got the trifecta. Right? Church, you're the salt of the earth. Be salt. You're the light of the world. Rather, you're you're a light on a hill. Be light. See, we'll have babies, and we'll increase in number when we have, in numbers when we evangelize, and we'll we'll increase in size, living as resident aliens, living in a foreign land. But that's not our only goal. That's not our only goal. While increasing in size is important, notice what Jeremiah says right afterwards. He says in verse 7, And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive, and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. I cannot imagine that there was a really good chance that, uh, that this verse was well received. Right? So, you have... You have the Babylonian Babylonian army that marches into Jerusalem and says, we're going to take you over, and they do, and the war is awful and brutal. And uh, you have have the Hebrew people, and they they cannot be happy about this. They're the chosen people living in the chosen land. And here they are being taken away captive. There's not a really good chance that there was good, strong relationships between the Babylonians and and the uh, Israelites, There wasn't. I mean, you read some of the Psalms that were written in Babylon, and it's, it's something else. There, there was not a lot of, uh, friendship there. So you have, you have, you have these Babylonians that come in, and they take, take the, the captives. They take the, the Hebrew people captives, right? And they carry them away to Babylon, and so now we're, we're in Babylon, and they're being oppressed and treated poorly, and there's violence and just bad stuff, right? It's, it's not a fun thing for, for the captives. And what do you have God say? Don't fight back. Seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive. What? What? Our people were just murdered, God, and we've been carried away captive, and you don't want us to fight? See, it seems to me that, that the captives would want to rebel. They'd want to start fighting back. They'd want to fight for their freedom and their independence and what they thought the world should be. And they wanted to fight so that everything was set, set right. And God says, nope, that's not how you conduct yourself in a foreign land. That's not how you live as an alien. Oftentimes I think we we feel like we need to rebel against our government and our culture and our society. And don't get me wrong, there's a place to stand up and say, no, we won't tolerate this. But there's also a place to be respectful and to honor the authority that's been put over us. Paul tells us in Romans uh, 13 that the government has been appointed to, to uh, they've been appointed by God for our own good. And as I think about the situation with politics both in this country and worldwide it's very disheartening. There are a lot of things that are just really scary going on. I don't mean to say it's all bad, but there are some things that are just very, very frightening. And I can do one thing, or I'm sorry, I could do one of a few things. I could, uh, I could rebel. I could start screaming and protesting and uh, causing a ruckus. I could pray and seek the peace of the city. Or, I mean, you know, this would be really extreme and I would, I would never actually do this because it goes against everything I stand for, but, um, you know, you could, you could get a militia together, which the Jewish people were probably thinking about doing. Right? Now, of those options, which one do you think that, that God would have us do? According to this text, it's pray, seek the peace of the city, respect the authority that's been put over you. Though there is a time to stand up and say no, we won't take that. We won't do that. But let's pick our battles wisely. Let's not let's not fight things that are necessarily unbiblical. Justify them. Now, Whatever whatever side of the aisle you're on politically or socially, that's fine. We can have discussions about that. We can talk about that. We can debate that. But let's be cautious not to allow that to take over us seeking peace and reconciliation and restoration and sharing the gospel. Let's not allow that to diminish our message. I think we do that pretty well, um, but that's, that's a, tough, a tough tension. That's a really tough tension. So I challenge you to think about that. Think about where should we stand on certain issues and how strongly should we argue for them. First and foremost, let us remember that whatever the scriptures say, whatever the scriptures say is what God would have us do. And that includes being respectful and obedient to the government. So long as it doesn't cause us to sin. Even when we think things are going bad. Even when we think things are not right. Even when the world isn't perfect. See, we need to be aware that we're living as aliens. That our citizenship is in heaven. That we're not at home. We await a home that's with God, who will set everything right, who will establish a society with no faults. But this isn't that land. Expect there to be faults in our society. Correct them where we can. But we know, the Bible tells us, that things are going to get a lot worse. And so don't expect it to get perfect. Don't have unrealistic expectations. But, be cautious not to abandon the place that you live. God says, seek the peace of this city. Jeremiah tells the people that. We have to seek this, the, the peace of the city, state, county, country, continent, and the world. It doesn't give us a right, just because we know things are going to get bad, to say, well, it's all, it's all the devil's plaything anyways, so let him have it. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay, so I had this rental car once. And how many of you have ever rented a car? Pretty much a, a, lot, a lot of people. $3 a day for the extra insurance. Worth it. Right? $3 a day for the extra ins- insurance. So I, I, it might be a little more now. I mean, who knows? But I paid $3 a day like three three years ago maybe. And so... I'm I'm driving in this rental car um it was in Denver with my family I rented a car while I was there and I'm driving in this rental car and I've got my cup of coffee you guys know I never leave home without my coffee right and so I've got my cup of coffee and I don't remember exactly what happened but somehow I had to swerve and miss a car and coffee went everywhere there was coffee all over the inside of my rental car and and so If that were my car, if that were my car, I would have thought, oh no, I've got to pull over, I've got to get to the car wash, I've got to get this coffee off the carpet, but it was a rental car. And I thought, extra insurance, that three bucks was worth it, right? I I ended up feeling bad after I thought that, so I, I did my best to clean the car But it was so easy for me to say, it was so easy for me to say, well, it's not mine. I don't have to deal with it. Forget it. Just trash it. That's not, I don't want anything to do with that car after, you know, right now, so hands off. It can be really easy to do that with our society. It can be really easy to say, this isn't my society. I have citizenship somewhere else, so I don't care what happens to it. Do what you want. Let us not go down that road. Let us not go down that road. We need to recognize that this isn't home. But we also need to balance that tension of saying, we need to care about where we are. We need to seek the peace of this city. We have to balance that tension. We don't want everything to get worse here. And we're going we're to try not to allow it to but we recognize that it's going to. Hold that tension. Allow that tension. Now there's some people in the church that, that say, well, you know, things might get better and they might not. Um, they, they think that, uh, that the kingdom's kind of, it, that the kingdom is already here and this is what the millennial kingdom will be like. And so this is near perfection right and and I don't know about that. I don't think um a lot of people that are uh, starving to death in Haiti would agree with that um, and so we need to be careful about what we're listening to, and so the 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 captives were facing the same issue they were they were being told some things that just didn't actually match up to reality. Notice, notice what Jeremiah says in verse 8. He says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams for which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. Ignore that marked text. It's not supposed to be up there yet. That's my fault on the slide. I had problems with that this morning. Sorry, Joyce. Um, So, all right. So, the captives. They're being told by the false prophets. The captivity is going to be short. Right? And Jeremiah says that's not true. See, in our modern context... I think we come across this very often. I I touched on it a little bit earlier. Every few years, someone says, um, Jesus is going to come back and set everything right. He is. That's true. But then they'll attach a day to that. That I'm a little more skeptical of. Well, it could be any time, any day, any place. Not so much any place. Any time, any day. Jesus had some words to say about when he would come back. And he says this, uh, regarding his return in Mark 13, he says, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. If Jesus doesn't know something, I'm skeptical to think that I can know it. That's just me. Be careful of of hoping too hard for something to be realized when it's not time. Right? So the, the captives, they put all their hope in these prophets that were saying, the captivity is going to be short. Remember to keep this tension. The tension that says, yeah, there's a good future coming, and we need to look for that and await that but also recognize that we don't know when that is. And until it happens, seek the peace of this city. Plant gardens. Weigh everything against Scripture. Don't, don't allow these claims that everything's going to be set right today to, uh, to take you captive. we got the Prophecy Conference coming up. That will help us to discern what we should and should not listen to. I encourage you to come to that we're going through the book of Daniel, that will also help us to discern uh, what we should listen to regarding when the world will will be set right. So, as far as timing, for now, I'm going to uh, defer to the book of Daniel and the prophecy conference, which are coming up, and I encourage all of you to go to that. So let us recognize that we need to be cautious about these things. But it doesn't leave us with no hope. Okay, we do still hope that Jesus will return, and we know that He will put the world to rights. We know that He will return, and we wait that day with great excitement and expectation. In a similar way, God did not leave the captives without hope. They had been told their captivity would be brief, only to have Jeremiah say that that wasn't so. But God, in His sovereignty, gives them hope by telling them the numbers of year they will number of years they will be in captivity, and they will be returned to the promised land. So. Listen to what verse 10 says. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. Now, 70 years. Was it really 70 years? Okay, so Neil talked about this a couple of weeks ago. 70 in the Bible generally sig- signifies a number of completion. It, it's very often used to, uh, to mean a- an entire generation or an entire lifespan, but completion, roughly completion. But what's amazing is that it was actually really close to 70 years. Scholars believe that Jeremiah wrote this, uh, this letter to the captives in 597 B.C., and the captives were allowed to return to Jerusalem in 538 B.C. So from the writing to the return from exile was 59 years. It's not 70 years, but it was a complete lifespan it was a completion of these people these people's lives that had been carried away. Very few people remembered the uh, the ca- the exile, if you read the literature that happens uh, when they come back, um, Habakkuk in particular, you, you realize that very few people very few people remember being carried away captive, and so it was roughly a lifespan. Now this is pretty fascinating to me and this tells me that this prophecy, this text is, it's inspired. I, I, I'm fully convinced of that. The, the, the accuracy of this is just remarkable. Right? Anyways, God doesn't leave the captives living as aliens in a foreign land. He promises their return. After, after 70 years, after the completion of, of their life, God will return them to the land. Now, as modern-day aliens, God promises, promises not to leave us in this state as well, the state of, of limbo, having this tension of, of uh, residency in heaven, but also caring for the earth. And one day, he promises to set everything right. One day, God will set everything right. Let us long for that day. And why does God promise this? Listen to what Jeremiah has to say about why God is is willing to promise these things. Verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. All right, I want to spend just one moment on verse 11. A lot of people have used this to justify theology that says God wants you to be rich. It's nowhere in there. It's, it's not, and I hate to say that. And for some of you, that may be true. But for others, it's not. Some people have said that this is proof God wants us to have nice things. I don't see that either. Maybe may be true for some of you, but it's not a promise here for everyone. However, that does not mean that God does not have a plan for your life, in fact, he does have a plan for your life, and in fact he does want good things for you and in fact he does want you to uh, he does want you to to be restored and complete the plan for your life and have purpose and meaning absolutely so verse eleven God says. I'm going to bring you back from exile because I have a plan. A plan to give you a hope and future. And God has those for us too. For everyone. And this future, this plan that God has, is for us to follow His will. Whether that means being rich or poor. Healthy or sick. Whatever it is that God calls us to, wherever it is that we live, God's plan is for us to follow his will. And as we walk in the Spirit, we'll discover what that is uh, more and more. But turn to the Scriptures and you will find much guidance. And He's given us a hope. And He's given us a future. If you've believed in Jesus Christ, you have hope that one day everything will be set right. One day, pain and death and evil will be wiped away. But hold that intention with realizing it's not today. Or maybe it's an hour. I don't know. But it's not It's not here. It's somewhere else. It's coming, but it's not realized. And if you haven't believed in Jesus, if you don't have this hope, if you don't have this purpose, if you're not part of this movement, I encourage you, become part of of God's people, part of this movement. Believe in Jesus, and you will have everlasting life. You will find hope. You will find peace. Peace. And what do you gain? Listen to, listen to what Jeremiah says about God, who God is, and how he acts towards his people. Some of the most beautiful words in all of the scriptures, in my opinion. He says this, Then you will call upon me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. The God of the universe will listen to you. He does listen to you. And you will seek me and find me. He's present. You will be found by me. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from the places and the nations where I have driven you, says the Lord. I will restore you to what everything is supposed to be. For those of you who have put your faith in Christ, you'll be part of the future. Hope, which is to wipe away sin and death and pain, which we've all been captive to, but by faith in Jesus Christ, through His shed blood on the cross at Calvary, His death and resurrection, we have hope. We have a purpose We are given a secure destiny with God to be part of the restored world whenever that is. We will not live forever in this world or in this society. And for those of you that have trusted Christ, embrace that. But don't ignore this society. And for those of you that haven't, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. You will be part of this restored world. You will have a hope. A future. A God who listens and acts. A God who rescues from sin. A God who is transforming culture through your actions. Church, Search after God with your heart and he will be found by you. Dwell here and be part of the redemption of our culture and our nation through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now is not the time to abandon the culture, but the time to to seek peace and prosperity for the city and the nation and the world by seeking and obeying God. And for those of you that have not trusted Christ, You are invited to be part of this today. Today and forever. Simply by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we long for the day when everything is set right. The the day when your Son returns. But in the meantime, God, we thank you that you are a God who listens, who hears, who acts, who will rescue, a God who saves. God thank you for that. We praise your name. We give you all the glory in that work and we are so thankful for it. And God help us to be people that seek the peace of this city, the peace of this nation, the peace of this world. Help us to be responsible residents while we recognize that we're aliens, that our citizenship is in heaven. Help us to balance that tension, God. Help us and guide us. We pray for this city, for this nation. God, we pray that they would seek after you and be found by you. We pray that you would be glorified, that your name would be exalted. And that all that You want for the world would come to pass. We pray these things in the name of the risen Jesus. Amen.